Hi, I'm Christopher Morales. Welcome to Adjusting Frequencies, a Cornell Media Guild podcast where I interview alumni from the Cornell Media Guild, including WBBR, CornellRadio.com, and Electric Buffalo Records in Ithaca, New York. Here's today's featured interview. Mr. Mark Anbinder, thank you so much for joining me here on Adjusting Frequencies. That is the name of the podcast that I came up with as of yesterday afternoon before the time that we're recording here. Um, a lot of people have been liking it so far, so I, I hope you do as well. As you know, kind of collecting stories down the line from different alumni uh, from their beginning years. I understand you're still present with us, and we wholeheartedly greatly appreciate that and love to talk a little bit about that. But in any case, um, let's just get right into it. So talk to us through your active years. So you're still with us today. When did you originally start with us and uh, any particular roles you want to specify? Well, I got involved with WVBR in the summer of 1992. I was, uh, I was already a Cornell alum, no longer a student. My brother, however, was a student and had gotten very involved in WVBR. He was music director, he was program director, and I ended up meeting a lot of the radio station folks through Jeff and got to know quite quite a few people, listened to the radio station throughout the time that I was a student. That was during its FM 93 days mm. early on. And uh, I think we've had we've had a couple better music formats since then, but there was some there was some fun stuff going on on the radio back then. But I got involved as a sportscaster initially because I was very interested in local sports. And local sports was what really got me into radio. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Ithaca area had a local collegiate baseball team in the summer called the Ithaca Lakers. It was made up of college baseball players who couldn't play baseball during the summer for any pro organizations because they would lose their NCAA eligibility. Mm-hmm but all they really wanted to do would, was play baseball. And these were some of the great college baseball players of the early 90s. And they were people who were then going on and getting signed in the minor leagues and even in the MLB. And WVBR in the summer really didn't have a lot of student staff or anyone actively able to cover local sporting events. Mm -hmm. So I ended up helping with coverage of the Ithaca Lakers, working with sports director Whit Watson at the time. Whit gave me a crash course on training to do uh, uh, material over the phone that could be played on the air. So Mm -hmm. I did baseball reports via phone that he recorded and put on the radio. And that's how I got started. I very quickly, after I became an official sportscaster, went on and also trained as a newscaster, then as a jock, and uh, was a techie. I I learned the ins and outs of the setup on Linden Avenue. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was uh, was cobbled together over the years, but we really had an amazing infrastructure that included an audio bus that carried broadcast quality sound among I it must have been five or six different rooms in the building Mm -hmm. and you could broadcast from any of those spaces if you needed to depending on what was going on and so I 
I learned all about how that was set up. I learned how to use the patch cords that we occasionally had to use to connect things that, uh, that you wouldn't have thought needed to be connected. Mm -hmm. um, these, were, these were like the patch cords that you see in, in old movies and TV shows, telephone operators would patch one line to another using these thick cords. Those were the cords that was in, it was intended to be set up that way. And we could connect anything in the building to anything else in the building. So I, I got to do a lot of the, uh, the tech work and I really miss John B. Hill. He was the chief engineer at WVBR for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Our transmitter shack is dedicated to JBH in his memory. And he was someone who could really cobble together just about anything. So he taught me a lot about the electronics of, of how WVBR worked. And that information really helped when we ended up moving out of the Linden Avenue studios. First, when we were really just doing makeshift broadcasting from the transmitter shack itself. And then when we were setting up new studio space on Mitchell Street. So I helped get that set up a little bit. Uh, that was mostly engineered by a couple of uh, a couple of engineers who did a fantastic job building something workable mm -hmm. in that uh, in that space well i that word workable so i've heard stories about the design of these different studios I, and you know i was speaking with mike bayman the other day he said i was uh what's the word i that i've been spoiled with the Buffalo studios, not, I, I think he had also mentioned just experiencing the Mitchell studios. Is there any particular description or adjectives you have about it when describing the Mitchell studios? The Mitchell street space. I mean, it was, it was not a great location geography wise for Cornell students. Mm -hmm. It was not real easy to get to unless you had a car or wanted to take the bus or take a cab. But we did okay. The, the air studio there was fairly functional. It was, uh, it was small, but a decent setup. I think we never really managed to set things up the way we had on Linden Avenue, though, where there were trunk lines throughout the building where you could move audio from place to place quite so effectively. Mm -hmm. We've got a, a network at the radio, radio station on Buffalo Street now where we can, we can move files around fairly easily but i think the uh the idea of being able to broadcast from any spot in that building was never really one of the goals and it's it's probably less necessary than it was when uh when linden was built yeah well you know i i think it's a real shame that i never had a chance to to really see it but i mean i think that's the most uh modest description we've had about it so far given i've only heard like two people talk about it but you know, I'd be surprised to see if other people will agree with your perspective on it. Kind of want to go back to the idea of sports. So I actually never knew that there was, uh, you know, a summer baseball league or a summer baseball team here in Ithaca. Um, you know, the Ithaca Lakers, I only think of the Los Angeles Lakers. I feel like there's a, a little bit of infringement on that, but I'll let it pass. But I bring up sports because uh, you and I, we've done a lot of work, particularly around the Cornell women's ice hockey team. And I just wanted to ask, what was the journey like in terms of, uh, getting much closer with the team. I mean, I see you at the games, being there as a photographer, doing some reporting post-game. Uh, were you always interested in women's hockey or, or what was kind of the shift? I've been into big red hockey since I was a student. 
I, mm-hmm. I went to a lot of the games. I guess I went to my first game sophomore year. Uh, no one dragged me to a big red hockey game my freshman year. And I'm actually kind of mad at the, the people who were around me who knew about hockey, who mm-hmm. didn't give me that opportunity. So I missed at least a whole season and a little bit more. And my first hockey game my sophomore year, I was hooked. It was mm-hmm. a great game. I don't remember exactly which game. Um, I think I, I did the math at some point and have to have hit. Uh, did, I, did I figure out that I had gone to 1,000 games? It's certainly possible. Wow. In, in addition to all of the home games for both men's and women's hockey, almost, uh, almost every season, I, for quite a while, got to quite a few away games. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of seasons when I got to every single men's hockey game, home or away. Um, that's that's exhausting though, and especially now that I have dogs, it's harder to do the the road trips. Mm-hmm. So I I try to get to a couple of away games a year. Doesn't always work out as uh, as well as I would like, especially in the winter when sometimes the weather says, "Nope, you're not going anywhere." I mean, the weather has definitely stopped me from just making the trip from Cascade to Hall to Lina Rink. I mean. Pretty yeah. brutal. And I can't imagine just driving through it. Um, I kind of want to ask you if there's any particular, like one story that you have about your time at WBBR going back as far as the summer of 92 to maybe something even to of today, just what you think is a big story that stands out to you, whether it was a challenge, a success, something that deserves to go down in the history books. Well, I would, I would say that one of the big successes that I feel we've had as a radio station and that I've been involved with connects to sports. And we're, we're still talking about sports. WVBR stands for the voice of the big red. Mm-hmm. And it had been many years since we had done any sports broadcasting on VBR. And I was one of the drivers of the campaign to bring sports back to WVBR. And I worked with Cornell athletics to bring football and basketball and hockey onto WVBR. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we did several great seasons of big red basketball and a couple of seasons of football. And I think it really was just one season of hockey mm-hmm. that, uh, that we ended up broadcasting, but that felt great to get Cornell athletics back on the radio on the voice of the big red where Mm. I think it has belonged. So I've really been happy the last few years to see some of the collaboration with other local sports fans, other local sports journalists in getting some of that coverage back on the radio, talking about the sports, if not actually broadcasting it. I think it's, uh, it's hard to do that. And it really messes with the schedule, especially as you can imagine, as familiar as you are with our weekend schedule, having weekend sports programming interrupt our weekend specialty shows mm-hmm. can be challenging. And we did that for a few years. And sometimes it worked well, and sometimes it was especially challenging. But getting that sports coverage on the air and the sports coverage that you're doing now, working with the the women's hockey program, doing the uh, the over the goal line podcast with Finley Frechette. Mm-hmm. I think that's perfect. It brings WVBR's sports programming 
into the 21st century in a really big way. And getting I really appreciate that. <laughs> getting getting that kind of programming out there as part of what WVBR does is terrific. And the more we can do on our air, the more we can do online to help promote big red athletics, I think the better it is for everyone. So I I'm obviously into local news coverage and in addition to the newscasting that I've done on WVBR for years, including a lot of election night coverage mm-hmm. that I've helped with. Um, I write for 14850 magazine. So I do a lot of local news coverage for another outlet. And one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't remember anymore is that 14850 Today, which is the breaking news component of 14850.com, mm-hmm. was launched as a joint project between 14850 magazine and WVBR News. I was involved with both, and we worked with the the news director and newscasters at the time to get a lot of news coverage that was going on the radio mm-hmm. and put that online as well at a time when WVBR didn't really have a way of doing web news coverage. So I actually didn't know about that that particular partnership between the two. Do you remember what year that was? Who were you particularly working with on the WVBR side? I do remember what year it was, and there's there's a, a reason that'll become obvious in a second. I, I was trying to remember who the news director was at the time, and I, I don't remember who it was, but it was, uh, we were working on this over the spring and summer of 2001, and we had come up with some ideas and some approaches that we could take, and we ended up launching on September 11th, 2001. Wow. Which is how I remember what year it was. We weren't quite ready, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden there was a vital need for up to the minute hourly and day by day coverage of what was going on and how it affected the Ithaca community. So we talked about blood drives in the wake of the nine 11 attacks, mm-hmm. we talked about the, um, the efforts that were happening locally to provide assistance in lower Manhattan. Right. So that ready or not, that's when we launched. And I think somewhere I have a screenshot of the page on that day. Yeah. I mean, if you have it around, I certainly would love to see it sometime. What else do you remember specifically about that day? And how were you also, I assume these were um, newscasts on air content that you were releasing on this particular day about this? We were getting the information on the air and then getting it on the web. Um, that morning, a friend IM'd me using AIM, AOL mm-hmm. Instant Messenger, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And I kind of miss it. But <laughs> he said, turn on your TV. And I said, what channel? He said, it doesn't matter. Oh, wow. And of course, he was right. The, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the coverage was on all the TV stations of the attacks. And I emailed my boss and I said, I'm going to be late. And I headed to the radio station because there mm-hmm. was no newscaster on the air. And the, the DJ at the time said, yeah, come on in. We'll, uh, uh, we'll get some coverage going. The, we were part of the NBC radio news network and we were playing some of the coverage that they were sending out over the, uh, over their feed. They were, they had a live feed Mm-hmm far beyond what they usually do with hourly newscasts and actualities. And so we had some of that. We had some music. 
We had some, here's what we know is going on locally. Um, and we kept things going on the radio that day. What do you think was the biggest lesson learned in terms of uh, having this experience and, and, you know, later on still doing more newscasts, still doing more sportscasts, I, I guess just in general being the voice of the, uh, of the Big Red, of being a voice in our community, just what have you learned along the way? Keep learning, I think is, the, is, is one of the key lessons. I, I don't think I'm done learning. I've been doing news since I wrote for the middle school newspaper. Mm-hmm. A little bit different in that environment, but the uh, the basics don't change. Try to get it right. Mm-hmm. Try to get a balanced set of information from multiple sources. Don't take the word for it when you uh, read the press release. The press release probably isn't the whole story, mm-hmm. as much as some of the people who send us press releases would like to claim it is. Um, be willing to ask questions, be willing to figure out if there's someone else who isn't being immediately identified who we should be talking to, because mm-hmm. there probably is. Um, try to be trustworthy. I actually put together a, uh, a session for a Lansing High School journalism class mm-hmm. a few months ago, talking about local news coverage and talking talking to the people who are involved and trying to be trustworthy are two of the biggest lessons that I think we can impart to the next generation of journalists. And the, the kids who are in this class seem very interested. They're already doing some video coverage, some interviews, and they were putting together some great material. No, well, I'm sure they greatly appreciate that. And that's been a reoccurring theme as well to some of the people I've already talked with and saying that make sure you're you're passing on correct information, confirmed information, just because I think it's one of the most difficult things about being a media outlet. Yeah, we love having personalities on the microphone, but we don't know about that power of when you say something and people are listening that, you know, they're going to believe it. Uh, and they're going to think that you did your homework. And, and when you don't, it's a really bad, messy situation to clean up. Uh, I guess on more of a lighter note of things, again, just because of your experience here, uh, I know the WVBR, I think we pride ourselves in being a staple in the Ithaca community. And by doing that, we would go out to live events, whether it was tabling and doing some live broadcasts or just, you know, having people interact with our brand, and just talk to us in terms of what we do. Is there a particular uh, on the street event that you really had a lot of fun with doing with WVBR? Well, we've done a lot of remote broadcasts for advertisers. I I remember a couple of fun ones were at Papa John's Pizza mm-hmm. and Jimmy John's when they first opened, um, but also things like Ithaca College's Educational Technology Day events, which we were participating in annually for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I think the the most fun events, though were the the community music events where we would host a concert. And we did a few of those. We had a great event on the commons, uh, Rock for Relief, I think was the, was the name of the event. Mm-hmm. We had some great local performers um, and did, uh, did relief fundraiser. I don't even remember the cause off the top of my head. We did just a few years ago, a multi-venue concert on Stewart Avenue with our neighbors at the Carriage House Loft and at Loco, as well as having a stage within WVBR and on the porch. Mm-hmm. So 
having having the opportunity to bring musicians together i think is great and the the fact that we keep doing local music coverage playing local music on our air all the time but also the uh, shows like tuesdays with the band where we really feature a performer or a band mm -hmm. and then talk about what's coming up in the community talking about music festivals being at the music festivals, people expect to see us and people are, people are happy to see us. And they, they talk about the music that we're playing that we, that, that they're enjoying. No, well, I really appreciate you describing these events. I mean, some of these truthfully, I've never heard of previously. And heck, I served as the general manager. I certainly know once we're past this quarantine period that we really are going to want to go hard with as much as we can in terms of being out there live with the community. We also want to have live shows. So, uh, greatly appreciate your input on all of this i have uh, a few questions here in terms of a speed round um i guess just kind of more personality questions and seeing uh what your replies are going to be now this first question it can relate uh to you just in your memory whether it's uh, a student of the past or being an adult now but uh otherwise they're gonna be pretty straight and simple are you ready yep i'm ready go for it all right uh favorite bar or restaurant in ithaca to hang out at agava Good choice. Bar and restaurant. I, I, I really miss hanging out there. Got to go for the salsa nights. I love the salsa nights. I love the cocktails. I love the burgers. They did takeout for a little bit after the world shut down mm -hmm. and they ended up deciding they weren't able to, to keep doing that for now. But I hope, I hope they'll be back soon. Well, I know people are going to definitely want to party on those Wednesday night salsa nights. Uh, which are you signing up for? Morning drive, afternoon drive, or graveyard shift? Which am I signing up for? Mm -hmm. I love doing the morning drive. I hate getting up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm not a morning person, but there is nothing like the morning shift. It's uh, it's fast paced. It's full of full of content. It's great stuff. I'm on it, the air right now every morning, without having to be there in person. <laughs> uh, better place to hang out: Ithaca Commons or College Town? To hang out: Ithaca Commons. Okay. Uh, which ones are you playing on your shift? Tapes, vinyl, CDs, or digital files? All of the above in general. Ah, oh, that's the cop-out answer. Come on. <laughs> when, when I'm doing a, uh, a DJ shift these days, I'm playing digital files and CDs. But I, uh, every once in a while, you need the vinyl. All right. A band you would refuse to play during your shift? Aha. Uh -huh. That's the name of the band? That's the name of the band. Isn't that a band? Uh -huh. I have no idea. You're talking to a kid in the 21st century. <laughs> yeah, it's a pop band. I mean, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the April Fool's joke version is playing uh, Starships. We built this city mm -hmm. on the radio. And ha ha, we would never actually play that. But we used to play that. <laughs> uh, this is the last one. If you had to work alongside an alum, yeah, your years did not match up with who would it be and why. So that should be a hard one because you have a, you've been around with us for a long time. I would love to do a shift with Keith Olbermann. Okay. He is, uh, he is a WVBR alum that I've seen and talked to several times. Um, he was a very big supporter of our effort to bring Big Red Sports back on our air. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have a, a live shift with Keith. I mean, it used to be that you would have a morning shift with the DJ and the sportscaster and the newscaster all being in the studio together and all 
participating in radio. That was, mm -hmm. that was radio. There were, there'd be multiple people there all being part of that broadcast. And I really miss that. I really miss the, uh, the back and forth of the morning show or the, uh, the world report at 5 PM mm -hmm. when, when it was more than just audio clips of people that didn't necessarily have to be in the same place at the same time. And when there were actual conversations happening. So I would, I would love to do a shift with Keith, but I would also love to do a shift with some of the people that I worked with back in the nineties. And, uh, one of the reasons that I'm glad that I trained in multiple departments mm -hmm. is so that I could work with Whit Watson, who was really primarily a, a sportscaster and sports director. He did end up doing some other things, but being able to do a shift with Wit as the sportscaster and me doing something else, whether it was DJing or newscasting, was uh, was great. Well, I have him booked for a future interview, so I'll make sure to let him know about that. And uh, for Keith Olbermann, I mean, they're calling you out. Want to come on for a live shift? Doors open. Um, really appreciate the responses, Mark. I guess I just have one final question, and it really is just an open-ended final thoughts. This is an open mic for you, whether you have a message for the alumni for the current day students or just anybody else tuning into the podcast? I would say I love the fact that WVBR keeps evolving. WVBR keeps doing different things for our, uh, for our staff, for our students who are we're educating the future of broadcasting and for our listeners and the community where we keep doing different things. And the Cornell Media Guild really is meeting a lot of the uh, a lot of the opportunities to evolve whether it's with streaming our existing material or having multiple streams going on where we have cornellradio.com as a second programming source but also podcasts we might do videos we're doing web content i think we're we have the opportunity to keep doing great things and what WVBR looks like today is not something that anyone, when I joined the radio station staff in 1992, could have predicted. Mm. The only thing that we're doing today that looks anything like what we were doing in 1992 is playing music on the radio. And everything, everything else that we do these days is something that you wouldn't have imagined. But we're doing all sorts of great things. And... I have no plan to leave anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing what WVBR looks like in another decade or two. Well, Mark, I'm glad that you were able to break it down because I always find it difficult in terms of explaining what WVBR and CornellRadio.com is. And likewise, we really appreciate your service up to this point. We certainly would love to have you and con to continue contribute to our evolving uh, history. And um, yeah, just hope to continue seeing you around. Really greatly appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about these things. This is great. Tune in next time to Adjusting Frequencies, a Cornell Media Guild podcast. You can follow the Cornell Media Guild on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're an alum, feel free to drop us a line in the Facebook alumni group or email alumni at wvbr.com. This is Christopher Morales signing off.